before we begin tonight's episode, we wanted to uh, spend a little bit of time talking about an initiative to help out in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey impacting the Gulf Coast of Texas and the city of Houston. Um, uh, Wisconsin-based podcaster Sean Kelly from the Gaming and BS uh, role-playing game podcast um, began this initiative, organized a, a hashtag of Gamers vs. Harvey, um, and set up a website for gamersfeedhouston.com where you can find more information. But he's collecting uh, an army of podcasters that will be donating either their uh Patreon donations for the month of September or other gifts to uh, the Houston Food Bank in the city to, to help out with um, kind of some of the efforts after the hurricane. So definitely encourage all of our listeners uh, and friends of the show to go check out gamersfeedhouston.com. There's some information about how you can help, how you can donate either the shows that are involved in their uh, Patreon links or directly as as an individual, how you can participate in, in making donations uh, towards this effort to the Houston Food Bank. So thank you all uh, for listening as always. Thank you for anything you can do to help uh, the city of Houston and this initiative. Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playing and slaying. gentlemen welcome to the episode listeners we are about to take you on a adventure as we talk through uh our gen con 50 antics experience adventure adventure um we'll do the usual uh as you expect segments where we talk about what we've been playing buying and hobbying uh, we'll also lead into a play it or slay it review where we will talk about exit the game, the secret lab. Ooh, ooh, ooh. sounds secret. We so did, we did escape. You made it. We made it. Excellent. So, spoiler, spoiler. You can't do it again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, let's hop right in and talk about the delicious beverages that are wetting our whistles and keeping our vocal cords soothed. Because when you're playing in slaying, it's important to stay hydrated. What are you hydrating with, Josh? I'm drinking a Moscow Mule. Uh, how, did you, how did you make that mule? I used some Tito's, uh, you know, friend of the show. Tito's vodka. <laughs> uh, We're working hand, on that sponsorship. Yeah. yeah, handmade vodka from Austin, Texas. Fantastic, fantastic. Get her done. So yeah. it's not really Moscow. It's more like a uh, a Lone Star Mule. Yeah, yeah come on. <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, the I, I bought some mix from the the targets. Uh, it, it's Target. Target. Yeah. Also working on that sponsorship. It's a, it's a ginger beer <laughs> lime mix. Uh, it's specific for Moscow mules. Mm. And uh, I saw it and I thought of Ben Weiss, uh, brother <laughs> of Troy Weiss. And I thought, you know, he would approve. So it's looking pretty clear. I don't see much lime. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh will be drunk by the time we get to the hobby segment. Yep. You don't know me. <laughs> Troy, what do you have tonight? I have. We are still reliving Gen Con 50. I have uh, Dragon's Delight from Sun King Brewery. Clinky. Clink. One of us has a can, maybe. One of us has a glass. It's all the same. <laughs> it, it works. Uh, so if you didn't, if you were not at Gen Con, this is the, whatever, the official brew of Gen Con 50, Belgian-style golden ale, which is right in my wheelhouse. Um, and it's actually really good. And... Uh, it's the we have a new kind of tradition kind of on the Sunday as we're leaving Gen Con, we tend to pull into Sun King Brewery, which is only about I don't know four blocks away uh, from the from the convention center. Uh, usually pull in there on our way out. Last year we bought a bunch of uh, we didn't buy the uh, we bought a, a little bit of think of the that rye ale and then we bought a bunch of other stuff that we really liked more. Um, but this year I just bought a case of the. Dragon's Delight and uh, and Mandy actually bought a bunch of other stuff too and I got a t-shirt because I'm like this Dragon Delight t-shirt looks really cool so nice they had that at the thing so yeah I, I also am enjoying one of these Dragon's Delights tonight and I enjoyed several at Gen Con it's the first time in a long time that their um, the beer mm-hmm. of the con has been very good and I had them a few times yeah and, and it runs about 8% alcohol I believe so it's got a little, a little get up and go to it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a good beer. Um, it will be very difficult for anyone to get. <laughs> yes, <laughs> since it was a Gen Con exclusive. But um, if you ever swing through an indie, um, Sun King does have a, a a pretty good lineup. Yep. Although I again, I think it's gonna be really hard to find. There's probably maybe a few restaurants around there that might still have a few laying around. But I, even on the Sunday we went out, she was like, "Whatever's in that." cool over there is all we have left so they pretty much they didn't which has got to be tough i gotta imagine how you figure out how much to make and sell and whatever so seemed like they timed it pretty close yeah on how much you meant so yeah that beer checked a lot of boxes for me i was i was a fan i like it excellent well we will uh we will keep hydrating throughout the show and <laughs> <laughs> as we hydrate we will talk about what we've been playing so we did play a, a fair amount of games while we were at the show um, at, at Gen Con in Indianapolis back in the, the middle of August. Um, one of those games that we got together as a group with a few friends and played was Wasteland Express Delivery Service, uh, the new release from Pandasaurus Games, um, which, Troy, I believe you received your Kickstarter of it. Yep, very, like very the week, like the, the week before Gen Con, which is cool. I got, I mean, the guys at uh, Pandasaurus are really trying hard, I think, to try and make sure we got the games before Gen Con. And they had, I think, at one point, they're like, "We lost, like, we lost the truck. We couldn't find there <laughs> all kinds of things." So again, I give them a lot of credit for being transparent. Like they were really trying hard and to get to it, but it did. And the good news is it got got to me, and I was able to put it in the box to take it. I'm like, okay, this is coming to Jenkins. I had to redo my whole like packing how many games I'm bringing because it's a giant box. 
I mean, that thing's got to be 12 by 12 by like, I don't know, it's probably eight inches tall, right? It's monstrous. And you open it up and the uh, games trays uh, guys made all these inserts. And I, I don't know, you guys can have seen it, right? I think the inserts are as cool as anything else in that game. I mean, the well, art's awesome. They, they help so much yeah. getting it out of the box, onto the table, the trays. The trays have little toppers that show you what is in each of those spaces. So it aids in getting the game started. Um, and, and I think that's a as you started to talk about the components in this game, uh, what, what was the price point? Is it um, an $80? Yeah, it's probably like an 80 Yeah, I think it's an 80 ish dollar game. You, so. you're, I would have paid over over 100 or close to $100 yep. for it with the, the components that you're getting. A lot of tokens, a lot of um, the trucks themselves are, are resin, I believe. Yep. maybe plastic yeah. no I, yeah i think they're, i think like uh re- resin pl- it's either a hard you know it's a really tough resin or it is yeah. yeah like an injected plastic kind of stuff good detail on those um, detail because you have what about eight seven or eight different miniature trucks several decks of cards all with unique art um yep. the tiles that form the map that you play on the art is a post-apocalyptic landscape so i mean it's very strong components and it is set in a post-nuclear yep. war um, America, I think yeah, it's something kind of Mad Max. <laughs> it's the, well, yeah, and it, yeah, because yeah. there are the different locations have a very America, yeah. post-apocalyptic America feel to it, right? There's, yeah. So, and ultimately, it's it's a pick up and deliver style game. You you pick up missions in different places. There are overarching missions that everyone has access to. Then you have your individual mission. On your turn, you choose your movement is you have a number of actions to move on your player board which can be moving from place to place attacking raiders which is something i want to come back to the whole attacking (laughs) um buying and selling interacting with the different communities that you can roll into and then avoiding or seeking out the raiders there are settlements and trucks that represent the the raiders and Mm -hmm. and you can either attack them or be ambushed by them yeah, and I and as you talked about the actions and the board, uh, I think really good graphic design uh, in terms of I think as we were learning the game, we realized that the board was telling us a lot of what we had to do. Right? I mean, everything as we learned, like oh yeah, that's why this these little uh, icons are here, and this is why this icon's over here. And then the board itself really walks you through your turn and taking your actions and which actions you have to do first. Um, and you know, in which dependent on something else, and you're, I think, what you have five, right? Five actions you take a turn, I think, yep. um, as you move them through. So, I, again, I think, again, where the components that you have high quality components, really good graphic design that helps you play the game and remember what's going on. Um, and uh, I mean, it took us a little while to get kind of up to speed, but it was also the end of a, <laughs> a yes. day of Gen Con, and we were all, I don't know what our alcohol level was at that point, and we just went to, <laughs> we just went to the video and had. Had we Rodney, had, we yeah. had Rodney from Watch It Played give us the thirty-minute yeah. how-to, right. and that ended up being in. the best way to learn to play. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, overall, I, I really enjoyed Wasteland Express. Uh, I think there are some things the game does really well in the vein of um, when we've played uh, Zaya, Legends mm-hmm. of Adrift, or Firefly. It had that that feel of I'm going here. I'm getting a mission to take things here. Um, the only heartburn I had about the game was you there are not rules for attacking other players mm-hmm. um and in this setting it's it's not a cooperative 
So I, I wish there was a way for more player interaction than just trying to move a Raider truck onto another player. Yeah. Um, uh, now maybe that creates a dynamic in that game that slows it down, bogs it down too much. But when somebody's running away with the game, it would be nice if the other two or three players could get in their way, slow them down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, there wasn't that the only way is the, the Raider trucks that you can move around. You basically have to right, move your truck to a location with an icon of a Raider truck. And then that lets you move a Raider truck over. So even that you have to do, a you know, a lot of times you're not doing it because if that, if it's not in your best interest of what you're trying to accomplish to move a Raider truck, you're probably not. So there, yeah, there isn't a whole lot of player interaction. Um, but again, that's, could be something that was kind of by design depends how you do it so yeah. but uh, yeah. i didn't mind it too much but it was yeah towards the end where you could see that somebody was getting ahead it was it was hard to kind of get in their way right you kind of had it was more about trying to speed your own stuff up than try and slow them down because yeah, ultimately it's one of those games where you know when a player has accomplished the the missions so you you understand where someone is on the weight of their their third mission complete completion mm-hmm. which gets that that victory so um, a, a very good game. Um, I would play it again. I think the yeah. replayability is high. Uh, board setups always different when you shuffle out the tiles. Um, there's enough of that different ways to win. Yeah. The three factions that give you the missions are are all unique yeah. in what they want you to do. Um, so there's there's a high degree of replayability. Yeah, because I felt in one game we like barely scratch the surface and the amount of missions that you have and different what you know that you see and that you accomplish in, in yeah. the scheme of things so yeah i think there's a lot of replayability there i know we were talking about you know a lot of times in terms of a pick up and deliver game does this fire any of the other games that become does it become the go-to something like that and we were comparing it to zaya because that's the other pick up and deliver that we really like and and i don't know that pick up and deliver might be almost too simple for Zaya, right? I feel like there's some other things going yeah. on there. Yeah, that mm-hmm. game definitely oh. has some of those other elements. Right. So I think that's where we ended up is both those games are probably still in the in the mix for, for in, the hunt. Play, in the hunt. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think one fires the other. They're basically one well, one's in space and one's post apocalyptic. So that makes a very different setting and they play, you know, very much different and they both have their own um, own pluses, uh, a lot of pluses on both those games. So yeah. Firefly, yeah. I don't know. We'll <laughs> It'll come out for nostalgia in yeah. about two years, Un- probably. Unlike the yeah. season, which seemed to be yeah. over in a hurry and never came back, a game of Firefly seems to take <laughs> about it. You yeah. could watch a whole season of Firefly on Netflix yep. in the time that you could play a game of Firefly. <laughs> um, so so Wasteland Express Delivery Service was a game played at Gen Con, will be played again. And I have one correction. So it actually was, they did not kickstart. That was actually just pre-order. Oh, They actually okay. pre-ordered it. Excellent. They actually put it way out for pre-order ahead, which was kind of like the homemade Kickstarter, right? So that, so I just want to get the correction. Yeah, they actually did not kickstart that. They actually just did it as a, a pre-order through Pandasaurus Games. correction and, before show And John notes. Gilmore. Yeah, Troy, then I don't have to put anything in the Troy show Troy's on fire tonight. Fantastic. Let's see how many more. I'm going to start slipping in inaccurate statements <laughs> to see if Troy's on his game. Uh, <laughs> Depends how many more Dragon's Delights we have. So then one night, Josh and I sat down and played Lieutenant Sonar, 
Uh, Luke, Cap- Captain Sonar. <laughs> that was, oh, that's for Troy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Isn't that now Captain I'm correcting you. <laughs> no, you had me confused of whether you played the actual Captain Sonar or didn't they have There's a the new one version? No, didn't they have a new one? Well, oh, Ca- Captain at- Sonar is the the new one. Well, Captain Sonar released last year. They last had year. the big boards. They had a huge oh, like oh, station yep, for yep. demoing. Okay. okay, and then did they? And I, but they did a new one this year that isn't like you don't need eight people. Is it was that just called Sonar or something like that? That's where I oh, thought it was called oh, like Lieutenant. No, yeah, Sonar like is that. the first one. I think Captain Sonar is the new one. That's I think I it's th- the opposite. Is it the opposite? Now you guys are going to make me be like it the, says uh, correct. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So yep. Regardless, <laughs> we played Captain Sonar uh, one night, and what's really cool about Captain Sonar is it is Battleship for adults yep. in a party setting. <laughs> yep. um, each player takes on one role if you're playing with four on each side, so it plays up to eight. If you're playing with fewer players, you can, and, and we did this after Gen Con, um, played another round where one of the players on a side had to take on multiple roles. Uh, but you have a navigator that is charting the course. You have the captain giving directions you have an engineer that's managing ships and it's all done on these dry erase boards so all you tell the opposing team is the direction you're moving and then if you're activating any systems Um, and as you activate systems you check off so you can't do it multiple times you have to pay attention to what the opponent's telling you because the person that's charting the the enemy movement has a um basically a clear piece of plastic that goes over the map for the game and then as you shift it around and adjust you have to guess where they are um, based on how they're moving you can't move back over your own path Um, you can't move in the island so the the map has some clues whereas you move this overhead projector really like a sheet over the map you can identify multiple places that the enemy ship may be then when you think you've located it, you can fire a torpedo. Torpedoes have to be fired in straight line, you know, lines that you can see, in essence, and then target spaces around an impact site. So you're trying to sink the enemy ship, um, calling out very little chatter because you don't want to give clues to the, the opposing yeah. team across the table. Um, cool. So how long is a round? Like, has a less than an hour you can play it and then did you get is there do you guys play like the real is there like a real time and a turn base so there's the turn base then there's real time we did turn based it was late at night um and the first time playing for a few people real time you you are just proceeding through doing the best you can um keeping up so you can't get too far ahead but you have to listen a lot more and activate things in turn base, you can drink more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a few new people to the game, like myself. Um, and I, I think they thought, hey, let's just slow this down so everybody's fair, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was really fun. It definitely had a battleship feel, but it's, you know, two submarines maneuvering, trying to fi- find each other. And, you know, you can go silent and you can do these different things. Right. And, um yeah and that that's a good point so when you go silent you move four space up to four spaces in any direction and you don't have to sit you just say going silent then you move and so when you're tracking where that ship is you're then having to guess 
up to four spaces in all directions right. where that point could be that they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can use your sonar to detect what quadrant they're in. Or there's other systems on the ship. Yeah, there's like landmines you can drop. You and clues where they are. Yeah. So De- definitely a cool game. Cool definitely game. a cool game. So the only I've heard is it it's maybe expensive for what it is though. I don't know what the list is. I don't know, yeah, but Josh, is, if you got it. Let's see here. Because that, that's only... Yeah, it's $40. No, that's not too bad. Okay. It's, it's really yeah. not too bad. And if you actually pick it up at Amazon yeah. or something. Yeah, 30, 30 to 40 I'm mm-hmm. seeing here. So, um, it, It's fun. It's good. It's a good game for that. You have six people that show up. What are we going to play when the majority of games in this market are two to five players? Yep. So yeah, that, that sometimes, yeah, that six is... a. We should do a whole show on trying to find <laughs> six-player games, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good yeah. six-player games, I think, is the trick. Um, so, yeah, Captain Sonar, uh, it's under the whole Asmodee banner. I don't know who did it originally, um, but it was at their huge setup in the, the middle of the exhibit hall. Um, Troy, this next one, I think got played a couple times at Gen Con. Yes, it's probably the most played game I've had from Gen Con because I just played it this weekend with, well, it's probably because I've been hanging out with my sister too much. Um, <laughs> he doesn't mean that, Mandy. There's yeah. <laughs> never enough time to hang out. <laughs> um, so Flamme Rouge, uh, which it was uh, a game, it's all about bicycle racing. I'll say bike racing, it's bicycle, like people pedaling, like mm-hmm. the Tour de France. Cycling. Cycling, yes. Um, it was released in Europe where... They tend to follow bike, bike cycling much more than they do in the U.S. Uh, and Stronghold brought it, o- brought it over for just around Gen Con time, and it came. This was I, they can say a Gen Con release. It really actually was out early August. I didn't buy it at Gen Con. I actually bought it ahead of time, and I had it with me to take to Gen Con, which made I didn't mean I didn't have to stand in line and do all that crazy stuff, which was which was good. Um, but I it. It's pretty simple in terms of the mechanics. Um, you have your two cyclists, and then you have just have a set of cards that has a set, um, a finite set of spaces that each of them can move. You play a card each turn, and it says how far each biker can go. Um, and that's really it. And then the, the kind of the strategy and so forth is, is each turn you're, only, you know, you're picking a set of cards, and out of those cards you pick one of them. And then once you play that card once, it goes out of the game. So I only you only have three fours, three fives, three sixes, and then the sprinters. Uh, one of them he'll have like a nine move card, and there's only three of those. And then your other guy, the roller, who's kind of the guy who's supposed to be setting the pace and for the a cyclist, kind of like real cycling where you'd have. Um, he only has like seven as his max. So. The trick is, is how when you go through the as you go through this whole board, and the board's kind of cool in terms of modular. It's uh, you know thick cardstock, and you can and then they give you I don't know probably about eight to ten different courses that you can set up uh, and and put out there. Uh, we've been playing the basic one a lot just because we've been playing with new people almost every time. Um, but you, you set that up, and then as you go through, it's really when are you going to play? You know when you have it in your hand, when are you going to play the high cards? When are you okay to play the low cards? And the mechanic is there's a, uh, a drafting mechanic. So if you're a space behind somebody, you always 
uh, I close think it I, up. We should be very clear. It's drafting as in the the physics of air and wind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Not no, a drafting the, mechanic yeah, where you're oh, passing yeah. cards and, and following behind a moving object yes, drafting. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. it's drafting about, in a very technical racing sense, not in card drafting. In, yes. Right. As the, all the board game people are like, what? I have right. to draft my <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Now we're talking about racing people. So race but cars it, and bicycles yeah. all want are wind resistance, right? Yeah. As you don't stay close to the pack, though, I think where you're going right. is the exhaustion yeah if you're uh, well if you're leading the pack so if you, just like cycling which is kind of cool if you're the guy out there in the front breaking the wind and that's not farting that's making <laughs> <laughs> that that's being the guy who's got all he's basically in front doing all the effort right he can't hide behind somebody um to get there he gets exhaustion cards and basically so these are like a true you know deck building mechanic these are trash cards that get put in your deck so as you're going through your deck and pulling things out, you could have, and these are twos, basically two spaces that could come up that you might have to play because it's the the only thing that comes up in your hand. So, you know, pretty simple, you know, it's, um, you know, it kind of is a, it's not really a deck builder because you're actually, it's a deck unbuilder because you're getting rid of cards as you're going through and it's really what is left in your hand when you make that last corner. Yeah, it's it's deck management. Like management kind of, you know, pretty simple. There's, there's. Oh, there's pretty a lot of randomness in it because you're dependent on what the other people are going to do. And sometimes you may say, oh, I got this figured out and somebody else does something and it'll screw you up, which is yeah, kind of cool. So, the, so they're trying to simulate endurance towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You want to have enough juice left in your deck yeah. that you don't get all these two and three move cards as the rest of the pack is playing four, five, six right. speed mm-hmm. cards. Um, when we played it, it, it ended up being pretty close. I mean, throughout it, there's an ebb and a flow to it, just like a race yep. where a pack will get out to the front, then they'll start to, everybody will catch up and somebody else sprints ahead. And it came down to, I was only one or two shy of, I think Mandy, Mandy won. won yep. Ben was close. It was very one, two, three, three four, yep. all right in a row. Yeah. And the, what I've played four times now, three or four times, that's, it's everyone we've had. Um, it's been pretty. It's it's been pretty competitive. I mean, you make it to the last corner. Maybe two of the four teams are probably going to win just because they're there. But um, we had the one we played last night where Mandy had come out in the end. You thought she had it, and she pulled her hand, and she had um, only two. Um, and she basically ended up one square short of the finish line, oh. which allowed me to come out from third place to actually end up winning, <laughs> winning which is kind of thing. So I. I just Again, I'm not gonna. Didn't have the juice to. Yeah, cross I, the but line. I, for what it is, I think it's 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 a lot of fun. I'm mean, like I've been playing it again. My sister, who's a heavy cyclist, her brother, or my brother-in-law also. You know, they, he owns a works on cycle shop, um, so he was excited to kind of. I can every once in a while I can get him to play a game. This is something he kind of got into and and got to it. So awesome. Um, yeah, so it's, I'm definitely getting my money's worth out of it. It's fun. Did you tell your sister she needs to train more? Because yeah. she didn't finish. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. She's got tighter. tighter I, think. <laughs> I think I think I need to design a Euro style cycling team game where mm-hmm. you're you're building your, your team, you're managing the, the races. It might you're, get purchased by a yeah. hundred people. And you're feeding people no. steroids. No, but you know you have to sell it in Europe. I think in Europe it would have wheels. It can, would. Yeah, because there is I have and I maybe I'll have to find it in <laughs> Um, I do have this small. There was a kickstarted game. Wait, did similar you say to that. Will have, we might have wheels? Oh, did <laughs> I? Really, there we go. That wasn't Jesus. even intentional. That wasn't even Jesus. intentional. You did. It might have wheels in Europe. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on.
Come well, on. Well, that's it for the show. Yeah, we'll be back next you. month. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Flam Rouge. That's it. Flam Rouge. Stronghold Games. Check it out. Fun. Um, Troy, post Gen Con, have you been uh, burying yourself further in the 8th edition? Um, yes. Uh, not, well, post Gen Con's been sparse. Okay. Um, but pre Gen Con, John and I did get um, old school. We did get a. Uh, 40k game in what well, i was funny as we were playing i'm looking i'm going i think all these models on the table might be at least a decade old or more so he was going old school <laughs> which was kind of cool for eighth edition right um so old school orcs so he had all his old orc trucks, trucks yeah. yeah old metal trucks and nice. uh and ludas and stuff like that i think we did 80 80 or 85 um points power power yeah power um yeah, we didn't, we didn't make it easy. Just did power. Uh, and then I brought Necrons. I'm like, oh, let's see what the Necrons look like. Um, so I laid out um, kind of a monolith, kind of the normal monolith. I think a Destroyer Lord. A um, couple of uh, Race, just to see what, they, what they're what doing in the new edition. Um, so the Green Tide versus the Robots. Versus the Robots, yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, and we used the open war deck um, just to see how that was. Um, I don't think I don't think we had anything really weird. We had kind of a funny, um, I think, angular setup. So we were kind of instead of being on one square table edge, we were kind of on an angular, like a corner, with each other. I believe we had. I'm trying to think what the objectives were. I think the object. I think there were two or three objectives in like one in one in each of our. Um, uh, I think we could place. We ended up placing the different objectives on the table. And I think there were four objectives on the table. And when you got there, I think it was like an es- what they call it, escalating, or what's the word for when you have uh, hold an objective over time. Um, you know, progressive. You, progressive. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, I think there was a little bit of progressive objectives like in there, and I can't remember what the twist was. Uh, oh, something healed. I think that was it. We could pick one oh, okay. one unit at, t- at the beginning of each turn and do a D3 yeah. heal, which was interesting because we all of a sudden you'd think things that you're like you'd beat the hell out of it and then oh oh you know what i think i'll heal that you know so i I picked up the open war deck but ultimately when when you play with that it's a deck of cards that gives you four stacks one is deployment one is the actual mission win condition victory conditions and there's a twist or a ruse of some type that flips the game on it so you're drawing one of each of these cards to set up rather than playing one of the scenarios from the book um and those open war decks they did one for age of sigmar too so they're pretty low price point and they add a lot of variety into a really open play method of um either 40k or something yeah and and like i said for the four so twist and ruse are actually the two so twist you you'd always play with a twist which basically either you think about it either adds a rule or breaks a rule in the game um, like I said, the one we did heals. Some of them they did another one. I know is where like oh, leadership doesn't count, which sounds a little brutal, but might be fun. <laughs> uh, and then the ruse I think is if you have like an uneven match. So if you want, if somebody's like down on points, you can give them the ruse, and I believe that gives them something they can play at some point during the game. That gives them some kind of benefit for their side to something like that. So. So I haven't used the ruses yet to see how that goes, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a lot of variety there in the open war deck, and it was cool. again fun to throw down 40k, you know, down on uh, with a bunch of just miniatures that we all had, right, and see what they do. So, and the monolith is a freaking beast, <laughs> but it's also like 22 the, um, the power f- level. So the floating pyramid, yeah. I yeah. mean, they brought it back big time. Like it's it's a beast. Awesome, excellent. 
Um, I'm very intrigued by by another game on our list of recently played. Uh, before we move into the hobby segment, maybe we should talk about all it says is Bob Ross. So, um, fluffy clouds. So if you haven't figured it, happy trees. Figured These out trees over my, here are very happy. You yeah. just swish your brush gently into the green, and then happy trees. Um, fluffy clouds. <laughs> fluffy clouds. All right, two inch brush. Um, so as I talked a little bit, my sister um, was at Gen Con, and when we there was one, we turned the corner, and there was this big, huge banner that had this Bob Ross Art of the Chill game kind of banner out in the hall somewhere. And she was like, oh, that looks interesting. Uh, and then finally one, I think Thursday, by the end of the day Thursday, we found their booth um, where they were selling this Bob Ross, the Art of the Chill game. And at that point, we didn't even know, like it could have just been like three cards in a box and i think she would have bought it right because it had bob ross on the on the cover and uh but they were sold out for the day and they're like oh come back early tomorrow and make sure you get it and uh and then so i think it ended up being saturday finally i think saturday we ended up grabbing it um right away uh got there by you know 11 o'clock or something and like that so um bob ross art of the chill and then we ended up playing it, I think, for our Gen Con after party on Sunday night when we got home. We kind of kept playing because uh, why not, right? We were all off on Monday, and we're like, let's just be playing games. <laughs> um, so this game is actually going to be, I'm trying to think, the uh, Big G Creative is the publisher. They're actually um, going to release this through Target as like a wide release okay. game. I think they're going to make a buku bucks if they throw this out at Target, right? Yeah. Um, from your distribution. Um, but I think the guys who did it too, it doesn't seem like just a cheap kind of, you know, branded ripoff kind of thing. Um, it's definitely got <coughs> <Oregon> some trail. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it definitely, it seems like the people who knew this know the, they've watched plenty of Bob Ross. They get it. Um, I think were you at their booth, they had a guy yeah, dressed as, who was doing a hell of a Bob Ross impersonation? Like, and you'd talk to him, and he was very, very calm and yeah, very quiet when he talked to you and talk about yes, things are good. It, he was really, really good, and he had the <laughs> hair and everything else going. It was, it was good. So I think they really. It feels like people really cared, you know, a little, when they made the game. And then when we played. Um, you're basically you have different a whole I don't know, maybe a dozen or more, like maybe even two sides of Bob, Bob Ross paintings actually from the game or from his show mm-hmm. that you put up. Uh, and then you have a set of cards that you get. You go through cards and by different cards, you you paint different elements of the, the painting. You, know, um, you basically have by different colors. If you get the different colors and you can make the clouds and you can make the trees. And once someone gets uh, all the items, then what happens is that painting goes away and then another painting comes up. And then the overall scoring material is basically as you're doing this, you're scoring points, and there's a track that basically goes through, and whoever gets to the end of the track wins. So it's essentially set collection? Yeah, it's like a set collection kind of thing. And then sure. w- there's a couple different... What's interesting is there's more ways to win in that there's equipment um, and that if you get different pairs of things like uh, a two-inch brush or a, a paint palette, um, you can also collect those and get points for those. Um, and that's another way to score points and to kind of race into the end. So, um, so kind of interesting. It was interesting when we played. Ashton went for 
the total equipment like win. So he was just like trying to get all the points. The rest of us were kind of working paintings. Um, ended up, I think Ashton ended up winning by just a little bit, but it was pretty even in terms of that. So a lot of fun. Uh, I think the one thing I want to do is get what they didn't is get uh, some kind of uh, mapping between the paintings they have in the game and the YouTube of the shows because I feel like you should have <laughs> when your painting comes up, you should be playing the YouTube on uh-huh. the side while you're playing it when you go through. So, awesome. um, you know, so you know, really light game. You could definitely this could be a gateway type game you can play with anybody who's probably familiar with with Bob Ross in any way or art, artist arts and, and painting and so forth probably might be interested in something like this. Get some wigs to put on while yeah. you're playing. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's, it's, so I think it's light enough where you're going to play it in that kind of setting, but I think a gamer would find enough meat there that they could, you know, they would enjoy it. And it's not super simple, but, um, it, you know, it, it is not, you know, a, a hardcore Euro game either. So, so it's awesome. like 25 bucks. Who knows what it's going to be, you know, on sale at target. I don't know. Yeah. It's, like that so I, I think i would recommend it it's uh for what it is it's definitely fun cool excellent all right well uh playing is now checked off our to-do list how about hobbying has anyone been doing any hobby other than what i've been doing i've been slacking i've been slowly getting ready for my next month of skirmish games for okay. age of sigmar um so i got some tree remnants that i got a finished painting they're on the on the rack Uh, and then i'm also still um working on my um uh, storm raven that i don't know what i don't know what army it's going to go to he's still working i'm still working on it i'm still that's like three months i think something like that but it's because i'm doing the chapter house like extension Uh, thing and that and what is the what does the storm raven look like exactly it's the big kind of ugly box. It's marine. a flying tank. It's the flying tank. Yeah, I mean it's pretty good now, but it has wings. Yeah. And and so are you gonna you're gonna give it to the ultramarines, right? Probably. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's your army. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> have to. <laughs> I could give it to some gray knights. I could give it to. Inquisition. I mean, you could give it to Death Watch people. I don't know if I, I don't actually. I don't know if Death Watch can take it. I, I know they have their Corvus Death Star or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> All right. So the rest of the table is not doing a lot of hobby. Truth. Okay. And I have not done a whole lot since Gen Con. I've been on like a after Gen Con, just kind of. It took me a week. Sorry, I'm going off script now, but it took me okay. a week to like recover. To, to just get sleep again oh, and i yeah. think we were yeah. bad i think part of it was bad because like i said we came back and that sunday night we just kept game going yeah we that's the sun- way to do it i'm jealous yeah, yeah. we so we came Me back too. and we cooked out and then we just kept playing games until 1 a.m or something like that sunday night and then i don't know and then i went to work on, on uh, or no i didn't work on monday because that was like eclipse day or whatever mm-hmm. and then Tuesday was just uh, I don't know I don't <laughs> well, remember. Well, well, Troy has been getting back to real life. I've actually been working on some armies because Adepticon is under two hundred days away. <laughs> <laughs> so it is definitely time to think about tournament uh, Sigmar and General's Handbook twenty seventeen oh, just yes. released, which has promoted a lot of reigniting the the hobby torches for my brother and I. Pitchforks and torches. 
<sighs> there was a little bit of that. I was laughing. Like, is this what we're going to have now every year? We're going to have a, we're going to have three days of everyone moaning about oh, well, what got changed, was, and then everybody's like, "Oh, okay, I'm excited again." Well, I was so I was part of the rage because my tournament army is no longer playable. Uh, as is that maybe well tournament wise that would make crazy yeah. it's not like not playable no it would no. still like beat up a lot of people and my tournament list it needs needs work um so i i've spent a lot of time reading over war scrolls reading the the scenarios and the gen, new general's handbook because i think future tournaments will probably feature three to four from that book one from the old one and then one custom so i think you want to build your list towards the new meta for the sake of of competitive play um because they added a mechanic in the new missions where you need 20 units of 20 strong score like instantly otherwise it goes down a waterfall of most models without an enemy blah 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 blah. so big units are the way to go yeah more dryads are getting built um so I did spend uh, quite a bit of time on our Discord group sending list ideas and texting with Tom and Josh about what I was scheming. I had $370 of miniature market credit from selling <laughs> oh, that's right. magic cards that's at Gen Con. Okay. So I pulled the trigger on a new, a new army. I built the list. I know what I want. Um, and it's right now getting a shipping label and coming my way. Filthy. Yeah, filthy. Indeed. And then, not really hobby, but the skirmish campaign, I got a game in with Eric real quick that now has set the tone for what I need to add to the list. Because he hits hard, his his army, so I need to get some more wounds, some bigger bodies in my in my force. Well, I think you played me since we talked last, too, right? We had mm-hmm. our game just right before Gen Con. Yeah. Where you beat up my little trees. Yeah. I, I tried to. I know. I had terrible. What did I do? I had one bad thing. Because I didn't even kill your guys. I think I had one shot at them, and I... I blew it. I don't. Not that I was going to win. I just wanted like a moral victory of like <laughs> taking out one of his big guys. And then I, uh, I recently primed all of my Death Guard in advance of the the Primarch and the Codex coming in a week or two. Um, I'm going to start hobbying up my Death Guard because I'd like to play in a 40k narrative event up in uh, uh, Wapaka this winter at Wapaka. Mm. So. Should should be fun to gear up for that. Very cool. Um, in the wide world of Kickstarter, uh, for our buying segment, I haven't pulled the trigger on this yet. I would probably end up in financial trouble if I did. Um, but there is an ongoing Kickstarter for another gaming table, mm-hmm. similar to <clears throat> what they did with the Duchess, called the Table of Ultimate Gaming. They funded in their first five minutes. Um, it, a lot of customizable options in the look and feel. They have a 3x5 play, play area and a 4x6 inset play area. So you can choose your table size. Um, a lot of features, a lot of different decoration options for it. Table toppers as well. Mm-hmm. You can put the, the cover over it. Um, prices range for the smallest table from $650 just over to right around a thousand for the four by six fully tricked out so pretty decent price for what looks to be a good table there was a lot of them actually at different places at gen con they were using this table at a few booths for their demos yeah i think it was smart for them right you got you got hype and going into their kickstarter which is probably funded i I'm a little gun shy on 
one looking at how success. I wonder if are they going to be victims of their own success? Like, can they really fulfill at the level that they're doing? Because, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, they're they're professionals and they seem like they know what they're doing and they're able to make tables. But it sounds like they're doing, you know, they're like doing this on CNC machine, cutting all the pieces. And so I'm like, well, is that like that's probably like one machine. And how long does it take it to cut all the pieces for one table? And I'm looking at the queue of 535 people or whatever. Yeah. Okay, even if that thing's running seven days a week, 24 hours a day, yeah. and how long does that? How take? long does it still take? Right? Yeah. I mean, because you watch them work, I'm like, those things. I mean, they fa- they're fast, but there's a all, lot of cuts all, on all one I of those tables. If, like, if I had people over at my house playing games more than once every three months, I would probably buy one. Um, but I. I Right yeah. now, I'm going to hold off. Yeah. But they are cool. They do look good. And hopefully, again, where this is a case where if they get, if this gets the business up and running, they'll mm-hmm. always, they'll be there, right? And maybe they'll be able to yeah. create stock and you whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I don't know if I would jump in on the Kickstarter. I might, I might see how this plays out, and then they're all. Hopefully, they'll always be there as an option because those look like really, like, like really good tables and really good options. And talking to the guys, I think they were on uh, Forge and Narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and they seem like they know what they're doing, like, and they're they've done definitely other stuff in the industry stuff. So, yeah, but uh, I would check it out. I think they're on Kickstarter right now, and probably it's, will be for the next it's couple weeks. So, right now, yeah. yeah. Um, then an upcoming Kickstarter any any day now. The guys at uh, Hunter's Books are going to be releasing the Outbreak Undead full second edition on Kickstarter. So the full hardcover. Um, Spent some time talking to uh, Chris, the um, I guess he's the the chief at Hunter's uh, Books about the design and the art, and they had some of the art on a sign, and it looks like it's going to be really great. Um, and just revamp second edition of Outbreak Undead, so that'll be any day now, and it'll be an instant back for me. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> they have all my money. All right, <laughs> <laughs> and I even bought. I think. Well, I don't know if somebody jumping ahead. I, I even, they had um, kind of a, uh, whatever you want to call it, I think, uh, print uh, print on demand version of the kind of the preview for the second edition mm-hmm. there that I grabbed at, at Gen Con that he said, well, here's a lot of the, we don't want to make you guys wait. Like, here's the material already just in a bind, you know, bind in a quick, quick thing. It's not the hardcover or anything else, but at least they had that there to, to go in with the the preview edition that we already have you yeah. you have a lot of the rules but it'll be cool to just get the nice kind of second edition Everything official fleshed yeah, yeah fleshed out and i'm sure they'll even add more and more stuff so right yeah definitely um and then a couple kickstarters delivered recently mm-hmm. which is really cool uh, about seven months after i thought i was going to get it massive darkness has finally <laughs> finally arrived Yes, the same. I got mine the same day you did. So somehow they like, yeah. When they got it together, they got it together. The hot box of miniature games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks beautiful. Uh, the the amount of miniatures, the quality of the card. They've Guillotine partnering with uh, Simon has delivered what looks to be another great game. Has a lot of the rule mechanics of um, uh, Zombie Side. Mm-hmm with a, a campaign and story driven element where you can advance your hero through through the, the quest book and, and gain experience and items. It it looks really fantastic. I'm very excited to to get that one 
through a few plays. Yep. Worst case, I have a whole bunch of more miniatures. Right. And, and what's <laughs> what's really cool is it's and they themed, are cool. It's themed in that vein of fantasy dungeon crawl. Right. So I can picture uh, plenty of Dungeons and Dragons games where if you're playing in person and need some miniatures, um, yep. there are just a number in the crossover with Zombie Side right. Black Plague. The ability to use monsters and characters interchangeably is is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, you you had something show up. Yeah, the uh what's what's the alternate Kickstarter? Um uh, Indiegogo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Indiegogo or GoFund is GoFundMe? No, that's the other one. It's Indiegogo. It, um so I, I on Indiegogo there was uh Escape Room in a Box um by a, a small group um out of Chicago uh called the Wild Optimists. Uh, escape room in a box escape room in a box.com is the website um but yeah i it <laughs> just kind of stumbled across it I, I don't know i forget where i saw it but um yeah it's escape room in a box the werewolf experiment and there's um supposedly there's uh 19 different puzzles three locked boxes um and you have an hour to finish it so you're supposed mm-hmm. to time yourself and try to you know, try to do it like a la uh, an escape room, um, you know, like at, at various places that have those. So, um, yeah, it's not an actual room, but you get all these artifacts inside the... I haven't even opened it yet because I don't want to spoil anything um, before actually playing it. So, I might, like, read through the rules, but that's about it. So, um but yeah, it, I <laughs> I actually kind of forgot that I had backed it, <laughs> and all of a sudden it shows up, and I'm like, oh, what is this? Those are the best ones. Yeah, right. It's like Christmas. It's like a surprise. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. My, my only concern is it's about werewolves. It is about werewolves. So we'll we'll have to see. We should kickstart the game we play at Gen Con about werewolves. Ah, uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> save, are we, we going to save that episode? for yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. Gen Con review? All right. <laughs> Little, little teaser, um, <laughs> and then uh, I know a few of us. This last item probably are are all in on the the most recent um, Magic the Gathering release. Yeah, the yep. Commander deck, and I yeah, and I this is the first real Magic thing that <gasps> I've bought in probably twenty plus years. False, so, you ordered you what? You bought two singles. I bought single. That doesn't count. I that didn't count, count that because that's not the actual Magic experience where you get the. Oh, okay. All right. Thing. This was well, and even Commander, you know what the cards are in there, so it's not even. You have a legit Commander deck. Yes, I have a legit Commander deck. That's I bought awesome. the Kitty one. Awesome, feline ferocity. Yeah, and maybe just because Elena has a couple cards in there, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I'm actually excited. I actually would. I'm like Josh. You'll have to like show me how to play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Ty could as well. So. Um, but yeah, uh, Elena Danner, our friend, artist, awesome person. Um, has uh two cards. Uh, I forget the names of them. There's a big bloody axe. Big bloody yeah, axe. I don't remember yeah. what the name. I I'm so I sorry. We'll, I, we'll I, figure it out. It'll definitely be in. Show we'll notes. put it in the show notes. Yeah. There's the the axe, and then there's uh, what's the other one? Yeah, it's like the bloodthirsty axe, and, and then or bloodborne axe, and then um path of the ancients or path of honor. Yeah, it's a land. That's right. Uh, in the commander decks, it's this 
kind of looks like this road going through the pillar of all these ancient warrior statues. Um, Both really cool art. Blood yeah. forged battle axe. And you had it right. Path of Ancients. Yeah. Awesome. Look at that. Coming up with a magic card. Good man, for you, buddy. Man, it's been a while since I could do that. <laughs> for now, as, um, as usual, we all need another drink. And when we come back, we will recap Gen Con 50, The Sellout. We are back from the break and from Gen Con 50. I think we've all come back to normal. We've leveled out weeks after. Yeah, two weeks later. I finally got enough sleep, maybe. My feet finally feel like I haven't been walking on concrete for 20,000 steps a day. <laughs> and you're not even exaggerating. I had my, yeah. my whatever, whatever this thing is, my little pace thing. Pedometer. Pedometer. Thing. That's the word I'm looking for. Yep. Um, and that's what I, I was somewhere in the 15, 1600s almost every day when we were, as long as we weren't, even when we were sitting for four hours for an RPG or something, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It, part, part of Gen Con 50 is how big it is. It's so spread out now. Everything is in the far reaches of Lucas oil field. We'll talk a little bit about Lucas oil. Um, they had a Gen Con museum and a bunch of open play tables set up on the field, which was mm-hmm. cool in of itself to walk into an NFL stadium and see Mayfair game signs and a board game <laughs> library and a, a, a like memorial Gen Con museum yeah. set up. Um, but first, let's let's talk about some of the games that we played in the actual event uh, ticketed events that we we participated in. Um, ultimately, I think one of the first ones that anyone did from our group was Friday morning. You guys played. Actually, Thursday, so I'll just really quick. Thursday, Ben and Mandy and I did a quick um, Zombicide um, Black Plague. Um, with uh, We had one guy, just four of us, one other guy, which is nice when you only almost have the whole game, right? Um, who hadn't played Black Plague before, had played Zombicide, and we kind of sold him, like, this is much better <laughs> to do that. Uh, it was run by Simon, which means it was kind of shit. Um, but, um, can I say that? Sorry. Um, uh, I shouldn't like, they try hard. I go like Simon does great, but I think their tournament, like the stuff they're doing on events. I think we, if you listen to our Depticon coverage, I think we had John and Ben and people, we played in a couple of events from Simon there. They were okay. Right. Okay. Maybe not. Um, the same thing there. The guy was, I think we started like a half hour late because the guy was still setting up the game. Um, he had an interesting scenario, but like you couldn't put any paint on the minis, really. Like you don't have you're like whatever. All right, if you guys want, when we run Zombicide, that's what Zombicide's about. So I did get a T-shirt and I did get swag. So that's the good thing about playing in a Speedmon game. Cool. All right. And then we did in the afternoon. We did another one of the uh, Apocalypse Road, which is like the old Thunder Road game. Which maybe we should do a whole play it or slay it sometime on thunder road i'll bring it and show you guys that yeah so that was a blast it's super simple it's take matchbox cars on a big table smash into each other we actually did blow up the tanker it's kind of like max uh road road warrior right everybody's seen road warrior no yes uh, well, mad max yeah for this mad generation max. may want to do mad max fury road <sighs> yeah. but it's not as good well i'm pretty rush in different way 
sure. in a different way. I guess there is a tanker. Yeah, yep. it's yeah. yeah. All right, Fury Road. It was kind of like Fury, but not not as good. Like Road Warrior. Like the whole thing is literally you're boiling down a road, right? <laughs> I was just Getting trying. Attacked. I was trying to yeah. place it for all the millennials. Yeah, all the millennials. That listen. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> and they probably Thunder Road. Old, old man Weiss over here. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, I'm as old as Gen Con, so that's how that works. <laughs> that's how that works. We're, we both have, we're both going to have our 50th birthday this year, so that's right. So, so that was my Thursday. So we did, we did actually have some events on Thursday we got to. So now time, Friday morning. Then Friday morning rolled around, and I woke up early to try to get into an event with a generic ticket and went down with my friends to get turned away and then you guys played in this event <laughs> yeah, that's true that was a good setup <laughs> yeah and i threw it right to him like i let him i let him, I let, I let him relive his feel bad experience so, so well tell done. us about this and think about why i may have gone to the boat when i did later <laughs> oh a little foreshadowing a little foreshadowing about the boat yeah, so we played uh, Outbreak Undead Deep Space. So uh, if you don't know, Outbreak Undead is um, sort of a zombie survival game. Uh, and they have a deep space version, so it's um, essentially zombie survival in space. Yep. And uh, so you're... I would sp- sp- specify it's a zombie survival role-playing game yeah. based on simulation. So you're not mm. good at doing the things no. you do. <laughs> right, right, Your right. chance of success starts incrementally lower than most heroic rpgs where success is something that happens yep. often for sure and and um a lot of it is driven um well I, if you if you play you can play yourself so yep. you take uh you can take a, a little test and you get your strength perception empathy and willpower and so yeah you can kind of take the test and and get those values for yourself and that plays into the game um which is kind of cool um but yeah for a con event um you know they have the pre-gen characters so um uh so this is the second year that we've played with tino who was the gm and we explicitly tried to get into tino's game and that's why we were trying to get ty in there because tino is really really good i've just decided i'm never playing in one of (laughs) tino's games because i didn't the year before before, right and i didn't this year because i got kicked out of the room so i'm never going to so tino you're missing out i I think I, I last year i think we had option but we didn't know how cool it was going to be that's, that's just the just saying i know tino listens yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um so he has kind of his own little uh homebrew version of kind of deep space because um, deep space as we were talking with um chris and the guys at hunter deep space is kind of supported by by hunter but right now they're focused on the regular outbreak undead second edition and they'll probably come back to kind of update the deep space stuff um but tino's done like a nice job of, he has like a homebrew he's kind of created this whole universe that i think a lot of his con games all take place in which is really cool because then you get the feel that there's actually more world out there you know than is just your your game right that he's got done some really nice world building and a lot of backstory and all his care all his pregens have a nice story and a lot usually some interaction um, and things like that because I think what was I was girlfriends with boyfriend with Ben I think yeah, yeah right. which always makes it fun right that's kinda, yeah um, you guys are making eyes at each other <laughs> yeah, across yeah, the table table like that so <laughs> um, so we had a, yeah I, we had a blast I mean I, I think Josh's this is the first one I know Mandy and Ben and I played last year with with Tino 
Um, yeah, the, I, I think I did too. Did you? Okay. Or, or, I, I don't know. If it was I don't the know. Same one. It was, I know we played in one of the. Or yeah, it was two, two years ago. Two years ago, we did yeah. something like that. And that yeah. was with Chris again. So we'll come back. That's foreshadowing for yeah. for some of that. So. So yeah, he uh, the the end monster was uh, some blob monster from the Zygote movie. Um, and yeah, th- there's a picture that he showed us from yeah. his phone, and yeah, it, it totally yeah drew you in a little bit, and and Mandy died. So again, yep. So that uh, we can check that box <laughs> off. <laughs> and it was good. It was a pretty good table. I, I wouldn't call it a great table. Of course um, not. Because yeah, because I would. I Ty, we would have totally if we could have. We could have. I don't know. Somehow tripped up or kept a couple of those people um out of the room locked the doors we would definitely would have, i think improve the game by having you in there for sure like that but it was still a really good game i think it was good i mean i'm like i said it wasn't maybe not great but um it was it was a lot of fun and uh, like i said tino does a, does a great job and right um and i liked how he um like he had the the kind of the map that he used of the spaceship, which wasn't exactly. It was just to kind of give us a good spatial relationship and make sure when we were doing combat, so he kind of knew where everybody was. And I liked how he color coordinated. Like he just had pretty simple miniatures, but they were color coordinated to who was who. You on your, you're basically you had a little standee that had your name and your rank and a picture of, of what you looked like, and then that had also had a big color square that corresponded to who your your miniature color was, which again I think was real easy. Again in a con game simple way to like who's you know who are you and whatever mm-hmm. instead of trying to remember all names and whatever real easy to look at oh yeah the blue guys is ben and especially when you don't know everybody at the table right to get through so again really nice job of how you can tell this is an experienced uh, con gm right yeah knows how to do these kind of things and really make sure everybody has a great experience so and the cool. color coordination worked except for for the weiss brothers who are colorblind <laughs> no they were actually um, <laughs> they were <laughs> differentiating enough they were no what's the that i could tell the difference yeah, it wasn't they, like they were there was like they were shades of purple which <laughs> would be my ultimate nightmare <laughs> that's like they get there awesome and then tyson you played uh, Little Outbreak Undead, the r- original, the OG Outbreak yeah, Undead? Yeah, Outbreak Undead, part of their pandemic play. So Hunter Books supports um, a ongoing progressive campaign world through their pandemic play where you can uh, keep your character and your items from one game to the next. It's their organized play. So if you have a group in your area, somebody can be one of their, I think they call them rangers, that'll run the games and report back and as you play you can build the world so they ran three parts to ghost ship scenario at uh gen con this year part one you're starting on uh, you're part of a colony a group of survivors um in a coastal area i think it was outside of san francisco and there are these old refugee ships that are out there and one is headed to shore and if it makes landfall it's going to create a huge problem so you are a group that has been tasked with going out to the ghost ship and either scuttling it turning it away doing whatever so it was the part one where we went and scavenged some food from an office building and then we contracted a you know a a boat captain to get us out to the ghost ship and started to explore the ship and i did that one by myself and i opted to do it as pandemic play because the other option was you just show up and play and kind of generate your stats 
but this I actually built up myself as the character and then got some equipment and other things throughout. So part one went and found the ship, and then uh, the group was decent. It was run by Alex. He's the community manager, uh, one of the writers for a lot of the Outbreak on Dead material. He co-wrote the Game Master's Guide with um, Chris. And it was fun. We got out there, got some loot, got some cool stuff that I could bring into the game on Saturday when we sat down as a group. Um, I think we had six, including Paul. Paul yep. played with us and Ben and Mandy yeah. and you guys, where we did part two. Um, and one of the other players at the table, the only one who wasn't part of our group, <laughs> had played in part one and had some gear. And yeah, and he had played with Paul, so up. it wasn't even like he would completely, you know, thrown in. And he was great. I think Ross was his name. Yeah, uh, really Ross. good guy. Yeah, it was, it was. He was fun. So, uh, yeah, and, and he we, played with Chris De La Rosa, the the yep. creator of Outbreak Undead, which yep. is always nice to yep. be able to sit down with Chris. Yeah, and, that's our second time. Like you're saying, I think two years ago we got a chance to play with Chris, and so it was fun. To, to get when we, when they saw that he was uh, GM in this one, it was even more exciting to to get in there. I'm glad we snuck into that event. That was one where I think Ty we we've talked about it. How we found that kind of after registration and we're able to. That's how we were able to kind of get so many tickets for it. And it was mm-hmm. it was probably our highlight of the con uh, in terms of my favorite event that we did. So yeah, it was for sure really cool. So as we explored the ship, we found this cult. Mm. Um, the cult of the the white triangles i think and they were building these zombie mm-hmm. creatures that amalgamations were, yeah, yeah multiple bodies and um and zombie birds zombie birds were Those flying were around nasty. the deck and everything was going pretty well uh, we were being very successful getting to the bridge uh we'd also found some gasoline to power up the generator yep. uh and it was at that point where I remembered that my character and my gear will persist. Uh, <laughs> so, and there's gasoline that can be I, scavenged. Yeah. I, so we get to the the ultimate, kind of the ultimate finale. Yeah, we get to sort the of bridge. the end boss. The right? end boss. We get to the bridge of this. You've got game. six people all like hyped up to like, hey, let's let's take down these. Th-. So I think I can't remember. I think it was Ross and. Ross and Paul kind of opened the door, and there's this what flesh zombie? I don't even flesh golem kind of thing that uh, some just wicked spawning other zombies had cultists in front of it. it So and and so what? So this happens, and so Ross, who was actually a guy who can handle a firearm, unlike everyone else who just picked up guns because it seemed like a good thing to do in a zombie apocalypse. (laughs) <laughs> um, so he goes in guns blazing. Paul, the academic, has I think he's got the you know the tie wrapped around his head. That's how I picture it, right? <laughs> tie wrapped around his head as the bandana, um, and has the machete. And I think at this point he's lost it. Um, goes in as a maniac into the room. Uh, I don't remember what ha- what Josh what you were doing. Yeah, I was trying to take out one of the cultists. I going think. in like yeah. that. Um, Mandy and I like feel like, oh, I guess we're supposed to run into the room. Uh, and so we, we run into the room. Mandy gets her arms torn off. Uh, <laughs> and I think I had gotten, I had like, a, I had destroyed. problems already. Yeah. I'd gotten kicked in the head a few times on weight. And maybe that was it. I was already in concussed. 
Um, so I just kind of wandered in the room, like, I guess you're supposed to kill something. Uh, I think I got my head mushed. And I'd, I'd like to point out at this time, I wanted to secure an <laughs> escape plan and gasoline that we needed back at the colony. So, and then, so five people Lies. go forward and one person goes back. So I, uh-huh. I hightailed it. <laughs> one of these things across, is not like the other. <laughs> I hightailed it across the deck, avoiding zombie birds, back into the, the engineering area, got the gasoline, threw the gasoline onto the boat, then sat on the boat holding the line. I didn't leave. I didn't leave. Why did I not leave? Because I cared about my friends. I wanted them to get back. Because you were, and you guys can see the air quotes, I was getting the boat ready. That's what we heard. Yes, this is what we heard. What are you doing? I'm I'm getting getting the boat ready. The boat ready. Yeah. Yeah. And what a bunch of garbage. Was was the boat ready? (laughs) Garbage. When the survivors, after the triumphant victory, and ran away, made it back. The boat was ready. I'd like to point out, I then went and took all the loot that I gathered and (laughs) redeemed it at the booth the next day for items. So now I have like pistol, ammo, I have a med kit, I have rope, and a hatchet. I'm set. So was was it worth it? Absolutely. (laughs) Leaving your friends? I didn't leave. I got Uh the boat ready. You got the boat ready. So we had had a lot of fun. It was was I think we got to call out Paul as the hero. Like... Mm-hmm. Now, like Ross, he was like some kind of he's like a marksman, or whatever. So he's just going in like do 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 you know with a gun, just whatever. But next to him, you have this, you know, this kind of crazed guy with a machete, who I think he almost put the killing blow well, on he, the. Uh, he hit, and then he spent all his competence points. <laughs> that's to right. Increase the damage and exploded. He got like sixty nine points of damage, which is almost impossible on on the the dice pool. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Out of the so, 70 needed, and then Ross's shots finished it. Yeah. So two of you yeah. died. The rest came back, mm-hmm. hung out on the boat with me, got did, back to the colony. What about who did Ross get the bloody vest, or did you? Who ended up with the bloody vest? Ross has the <laughs> bloody vest. So not I, I guess you'd call it, I don't know if it's grim or if it's called um, resourceful. Gamer. Yeah, or maybe it's resourcefulness, right? If, you're, if your compatriots happen to die get their arms ripped off the jacket they're wearing might still be useful <laughs> is what we learned <laughs> is that there might still be use for that for the vest as we as we pointed out there probably were not no sleeves arms left anymore. on yeah. this on the jacket right but the jacket itself might still have have some value as a bloody vest so <laughs> what i loved is where chris grabbed the card because um, basically they represent all your equipment as the as these little cards which is really cool right so it persists I liked how Chris grabbed the card and wrote bloody vest on the card and then handed it back <laughs> to Ross. Instead of jacket. Yeah, yeah. instead of j- crossed out jacket and said, you now you have a bloody vest that you <laughs> basically took off the dead the dead body. So no, that was a blast. Yeah, we had between between that and getting the boat ready. Oh, um, we had plenty of uh, ex- things that I think will live on for many years mm-hmm. to get to. So. And hopefully, maybe Ty, you actually get to keep playing your character, right? Find some opportunity around here to. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to find some pandemic play opportunities. So, yeah, great role role playing game, and and it was good. And I think um, had, had Paul actually played Outbreak and Dead before? Or was this like his Just first jump con, in? So because it did, sounded like he was he did House in, on the right? Hill, um, the the prior day. Yeah, cool. So that good in between Ty and Paul, we might have two GMs that would run stuff for us. That's nice. <laughs> well, then, uh, near and dear to my heart, 
on Friday night, we had the whole group True Dungeon run, which had some ups and downs. Mostly downs. Mostly, mostly downs. It was fun. I mean, again, it's a blast to do with all with all us, right? I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of where I I have fun. I, I had fun, but I I like I would agree that it wasn't maybe as good as last year's. Um, it, it, overall, it wasn't. I think there was. It started out strong. I thought we were going to get some oversold, under delivered. <laughs> yeah, it was um, the Moongate maze. Moongate maze. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was good until th- there was one room. It started um, great, and then yeah, and and for for folks that don't know, a True Dungeon is sort of like a um, a haunted house, but it's like a dungeon crawl. Uh, so they actually do big sets, and they have monsters, and the combat is a shuffleboard type, um, uh, you know, where you're hitting different zones on the monster and, and things. So yeah, well, and the and the combination of puzzle rooms and combat rooms, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, certain rooms are either you got to figure out how to move to the next room, or and you have a time limit, so it's twelve minutes per room. So. Um, if you can't figure out the room before the 12 minutes, then you take some damage and, and things like that. So, um, and then there's a whole gearing up side of that, that, you know, we'll, we'll leave to the side for now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, there was one room that you couldn't attack the monster unless you made a saving throw. And for whatever reason, no matter what we rolled, we were, we were not being able to attack the monster. So... It was sort of a feel-bad room, and we were all kind of just sitting there on our hands. Some of us, in fact, laid down on the floor. Right. Matt had his satchel, his his Man messenger bag, yep. and we used that as a pillow and laid there until the time was up. Yep. But I don't even, yeah, and it wasn't even that we weren't attacking the monster, because I don't even know, if you made your save, then all you did was take damage. Because odds are you weren't even going to hit the monster anyway. Because that w- in the end we found out that wasn't even the way to defeat like well, the, the thing, right? The, there was, it was a it was a trick the vol- room. The volunteer in the room also misled us. He yeah. he played it mm-hmm. wrong, and mm-hmm. it cost us the the fun of yeah. that. But the set design, Moongate Maze, wasn't great. It was yeah. they clearly, from what I heard, the other session was ten times better. Mm. And I know you guys played that the following night, but we chose the wrong, the wrong option of the two that they offered at Gen Con this year. Yeah, and honestly, if you would have showed me the first room of each one, I would have said Moongate Maze is <laughs> the, the head the over heels above. Did yeah. that have anything to do with the scantily clad Fey Queen Felurian? that sat on her throne no it was the tree it was the <laughs> big led tree with the fruit hanging from it i thought that was pretty epic and and then secondly there was a scantily clad and woman i don't know did we because i mean and like ty was talking about kind of oversold maybe because basically it was sold as you know pat rothfuss had i don't know it basically collaborated with them in some form to do these rooms, right? And again, I think the first room, you know, Falorian there, if you read the books, I mean, that got me totally, well, for many more reasons, right? Got me excited or in some form or another. Um, but you had, you, but just having the character there, I'm like, oh, this could get really interesting. But that was, unfortunately, it was the, the highlight in the first room. And then from then on, they just kind of had lip service to the, the setting and didn't really do anything else that I saw that, 
kind of jumped out or, or really pulled characters or anything else that mm-hmm. I would have referenced from the books um, or anything else like that. So that's where we kind of like got, you, know, you were you were like, all right, is this really going to be awesome? And then it ended up being a little bit. At least the one we did, the Moon Moongate Maze, wasn't that awesome mm-hmm. uh, to get to. So, but again, it's fun to do True Dungeon with you guys and all that stuff. So. Um, and we did what nightmare level or something? I don't yeah. know what it is. So we still yeah, throw we, out a ton still, of damage. So. Yeah, we still beat it. So still walk good. through it. Yeah. yeah. So that's all you guys and the guys who outfit us out with these crazy weapons and stuff like that. It's good times. It's fun. So in my favorite live action role playing <laughs> of the con is always as we walk past the werewolf groups that are playing, and Josh and I have designed a game that can only be referred to as werewolf trolling (laughs) for sure each group that's playing we point at one individual we coordinate who and we yell that they're the werewolf they might not even be playing werewolf for all we know and they have this weird little hand signal where one hand goes up and the other hand points um and that's and that's how they denote who they're voting for and so ty and i will raise one hand and point girl in the purple hat or guy in the red shirt and yeah and and we do that for each of the 25 groups playing and sometimes they get real mad (laughs) yeah 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 it's usually late and we've had several rounds at a patio somewhere right right usually uh (laughs) the other it's not really an event but i want to talk a little bit about the the museum so lucas oil field uh where in the basement they have the true dungeon areas um on the field level, they had the games library, an open play space, uh, Mayfair Games was running some of their events, and then they had a huge museum of yeah. Gen Con memorabilia, which included the original entrance to the horticultural. Oh uh, well, hall. yeah, they didn't. They had a facsimile. They basically yeah. had to fix it because you can still and um, you can still go to Lake Geneva and go to Horticultural Hall where they did it. It's it's there, and I've been there. I think I've, I've posted pictures on our way back a couple of years ago on our Twitter to get there. So, but yeah, they had a facsimile of kind of the Horticultural Hall where the the first Gen Con was was put on um, to get there. That was there, and then uh, as you know, in, in with the fiftieth anniversary, they kind of had um, they had kind of broke Gen Con into kind of different sections. I, mean, I don't know about five or maybe about 10 different sections, right? Four or five year kind of slices. And then they had examples of the actual games that were played at, at the, those years. Um, and then a nice, um, you know, pretty extensive, you know, description of what was going on there. Um, and then there was a few extra things. I think, um, Gary Atkinson was, mm-hmm. was sitting around there, at least when we went through who is, um, I think Peter's brother who, uh, was involved in a lot in some of the, middle gen cons and stuff like that and been a gamer for a long long time um so that was uh exciting really fun for me to walk through because i'm like i said i've been going since probably early 80s 82 83 um and then uh seeing all the old games that a lot of them that i <laughs> that were from my basement right that you just walk through and like oh hey we yeah. still own that and, and cool. things like that so yeah really really cool one thing in the museum that I actually missed until I was showed a video of it on, on Barry's cell phone, they were playing a video of Gen Con over the years. Um, and evidently there was one point on this video where they were, they were taping, it was replaying people coming into the doors, I think the first year in Indy. 
Uh, and we had a friend that had passed away when we were younger that that was like the last Gen Con with him and Barry and Matt were watching the video and one of them said, that's Dave. And Matt went underneath the the thing and rewound the DVD. He Uh found their AV and like went (laughs) back and replayed it and Barry recorded it on his phone and you see him come and look like he clowns through the camera and then keeps walking. So, um, it was just really cool, cool to capture that, like out of all the random mm-hmm. years of Gen Con. And out of all the random to, people. Right. Of yeah, you just think of all the people. That's to amazing. see that. So that, that made that, you know, the following night when we were back hanging out with Matt and Lena before they left and yeah. Barry showed, they showed me that. Um, I was like, that, that's Gen Con. Yeah. I mean, yep. that's the, the memories and what you get. So super cool. Um, after the museum, we had to build our own collections a little bit, as we always do, those of us that are afflicted with acquisition disorder. This year was a lighter year for me. I didn't, I didn't bring as much home, so I, I, pick and, I pick and choose what I bring home, and my purchase list this year was not as significant as years past. Same here. But um, some good items that I picked up. 51st State from Portal Games, the Ign- Ignacy Trevecek. I can never pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. I think it released last year, maybe the year before, but picked that up. Um, Red Raven Games Near and Far, the sequel to Above and Below from Ryan Lockett at Red Raven. And then the Starfinder Core Rulebook, The First Morning. That's what I waited in line with. Uh, Friend, uh, friend of the basement of death, Doctor Gabe from St. Louis, bumped <laughs> in the hymn um, and and waited in line for the Starfinder stuff, the the new um, space Pathfinder rulebook. So cool, and with lots of recommendations from Troy, uh, I picked up the ABCs of RPGs for the kids, and Ivan Van Norman was there to sign it, so that was cool. Yeah. Um, talked to him for a brief minute. And, um, also, uh, yeah, all my purchases were kid purchases, but, uh, yeah, uh, I picked up monster chase was, which is very akin to, um, the movie monsters, Inc. Uh, Basically monsters come out of the closet and you use a, a certain toy to scare monsters away. So it's sort of, um, you know, that sort of mechanic and then, uh, fun farm, which is sort of a, uh, I don't know if you've ever played the game spoons, but. Essentially, like you flip over a card and you have to grab whatever, you know, if it's a chicken or a cow or a pig, you got to grab that before everybody else does. So, yeah, kind of a dexterity game. So Cool. Um, the only, um, I because I got an order from Miniature Market, like literally like two <laughs> days before, because a bunch of like the Stronghold games and games that I was looking for actually released prior to Gen Con and were available I'm like I'm not gonna go through the pain of sitting in line and whatever, and I ordered so, um, so like I talked, Flamme Rouge and uh, Pit Crew. Um, I actually got ahead of time. I would have bought them there if I didn't have them ahead of time, and then I took them to Gen Con and we played them there. Um, the one thing I did buy and I talked about was Downforce, um, which was the Restoration Games um, um, game that they have there. I have not had a chance to play it yet. We'll we'll play it um, to see what see how that is. That's a racing game with a. a a gambling component or betting component around so not necessarily you don't necessarily have to have your cars win to win the game you just have to bet on the cars that do win to win the game so and again if you you should have more control over your cars but you never know 
Uh, so that's Rob Davino and then those guys um, that have restoration games. And their idea there is they're taking older games and they're redoing the rules and kind of refreshing them yeah. and redoing the components, which is interesting um, yeah, to do they, it. Yeah, so. and they kind of teased or previewed Fireball Island. Fireball Island, yeah. Uh, which is a, a classic. And and another crossover is, the I think, the game, the game trays guy is doing like a big vacuum plastic volcano for that fireball island thing he was showing that off when we were over <laughs> yeah. talking to him I like that so yeah again kind of crossing all these different different companies together but uh yeah that, that looks like some interesting stuff there so that's really it and then i got some wooden dice for my uh sylvaneth oh, i figured nice. i was looking for a theme like cool. for green dice and then i found wooden dice i'm like oh that's oh, it yeah. right yep. yeah that's got to be it for <laughs> very cool I almost forgot because Troy never lets us talk about it, but I did pick up two expansions for Time Stories. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Endurance and Lumen Fide or Fide. Oh, yep, Fide. yep. That's the one we're can, playing can, next. Can we say the names? I don't, I don't even know. Uh, that's all we can say. Yeah. Oh, okay. That yeah, is right. all mm-hmm. we can yep. say. Down I want to know the theme. Yep. Yep. So then when we weren't playing games or buying things or socializing, there were a few highlights to our um, our, our dining experiences this year the noms the the noms we've already talked about the dragon's delight beer uh Mm -hmm. when we talked about what we were drinking well we record tonight sun king brewing that was a highlight from sun king brewing um josh and i went with a group uh, of folks i think the first night uh we were there to a place we hadn't been before called the brew burger bar Mm -hmm. um a little bit of a walk it was about a mile from the convention center yeah maybe 0.9 miles about that yeah um but it was a really good menu cool atmosphere the hostess was having some fun with us the the wait staff was real friendly um and they had really unique burger menu everything from you had what i had a salmon burger salmon burger yeah yeah, to it was real good um classic burgers to barbecue burgers to every burger in the world yeah um very good food though uh would would go there again definitely and after true dungeon on saturday night um the rest of the crew wanted to storm the castle and go to uh white castle white that's not even Uh, a restaurant and elena and i were like no thank you as Um, you should so we ended up uh wandering down the food truck alley and we found uh, a food truck called citizen hash which had this amazing spicy crab bowl uh, with rice, oh, it was so freaking good! Like it was crazy good. Um, so yeah, uh, just shout out to Citizen Hash, really, really good food. Yeah, it was good. we had one again. The whole Georgia Street. I don't know if you, I mean we ended up. That's where I ended up drinking a lot of my Dragon's Delight. Now I'm just <laughs> just kind of the atmosphere to go out into that brew garden or, or beer garden out there, and uh, um, it's just lined with food trucks, with food and, trucks beer and, and beer garden yeah. and you know very cool talk of people and it was nice weather i mean we had, i did it even rain i don't even think it rained we usually get one day of rain at it did Gen- for a hot minute one day just for just a, little a little bit, bit. Yeah. yeah but it wasn't bad but yeah really really good because it wasn't like baking hot either usually no. you get like you know that you're swimming through the uh humidity and everything else so it was actually i think we ended up with a pretty good pretty good thing but georgia street is was a blast um, to go through that. Um, and then I think we ended up, our favorite was, um, uh, the yard house. Um, that's the second we had eaten there last year and we ended up going there again. It's amazing how much you appreciate 
good service when you don't <laughs> when you don't expect it, right? I mean, like I, they, every place is busy or everything like that. I, I was just amazed at how you know, even though they're busy, all the staff was was just on top of it. We were kind of joking that I think Ben at one point had knocked over a beer. Um, <laughs> it's something like that. Literally, it felt like the glass hit the table, like the sound of the glass hitting the table, and there was a guy with a towel before before half the beer dumped out like <laughs> like just on top of it and 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 he had a new beer before you could even think about it i mean that but that wasn't you know that was just like the icing on the cake in terms of so i would recommend again yard house is a little bit of pricey i mean it's an, a nicer place but again if you like beer i think they have a you know i don't know what it is 50 or plus kind of things on tap and things like that so um for me, that's kind of replacing Scotty's as, as a place I'm going to go just because it seems like they're maybe a little bit – again, I don't know if it's because they're a little bit more pricey. They don't get quite as busy, but they're, they, they were busy, right? But uh, they just seem like they know what they're doing and they can can handle the rush and stuff. And we did have lunch at the Ram somehow. I don't know how we had lunch at the Ram when the line oh, was out the door yeah. all the time. Well, I, in and out in an hour. I did know. a solo lunch at Cladog. I sat yeah. at the bar, had yeah. a couple beers, and got that in. Because everybody was kind of busy this year. And then one night we did end up on the patio and had a fair amount of dragon's milk and whiskey flights. With the Anvil Lake guys. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I don't know. Again, I, I people compl- I did not have any problem finding a meal, finding a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like, again, between Yard House, Ram, just high walking, velocity. High velocity, walking 10 feet, you know. I, I, and this was what sixty thousand people, whatever. Plus, yeah. Plus you, if you can go navigate kind of where you're going and not go where everybody else is going, or not go at the same time everybody else is going, I didn't feel like it was overcrowded or anything else like that. No. I, I mean, I got food and drink when I needed it, when I wanted it, um, and navigated things like pretty well. So, um, I'm sure if you listen to a lot of other podcasts, you'll have people accept. The Sierra Cabal meetup. That was a little crazy, but. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I think that, that might have been fun, but I think we needed to be there a little early. We we, yeah. we ended up being a little late, and they had plenty of people there. And so we kind of just did a circle and, and headed out. Yeah. It was crazy, we, we, crazy. We were going to that place. Yeah. So. Awesome. All right. So we're going to catch our breath, take a few minutes to drink, and then come back with a Plater Slate review where we talk about Exit. The Secret Lab. You are the subject of a medical study. You went into the lab to check in for your study. All of a sudden you wake up in a room and the door is locked. That's the premise for Exit. Yeah, that's the premise for Exit, the game, The Secret Lab. So this is um, one of these escape room in a box type things, as as Josh talked about. So right as the people did these Kickstarters, now you have uh, Exit from Kronos, Kronos, I think, um, is the game uh, company that's putting these out. I think there's about four or five of these that they have in different different kind of themes. Um there's also another kind of similar uh, group of games in the Unlock series. Um, maybe in the future we'll talk about those. I haven't played those yet. Uh, they're a little different, but we'll talk about that. So 
So Exit from Kronos, um, the one we played was called The Secret Lab. Um, these are consumable games, so basically it's a one playthrough, and you actually destroy components and write on things as you go through. So it, mm-hmm. you're, once you're done, you're, you're done. You can throw it in the fire when you're done or something else like that uh, to take it through. They run about 15 bucks, I think, retail. Um, and if you can pick them up, I think, like Major Mark has them like 11 or something. So... Um, so probably worth it. I'll, I'll talk through it with you guys, but I think you're getting your entertainment value out of it if you think what a movie ticket costs or something else like that for the, the value that you get out of it. How many sure. can it play? Um, believe it goes one to six. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of uh, arbitrary. I mean, you could do this as a solo. Um, you know, more minds is better in a lot of cases. How many do you play? With? We played with four. Okay. Um, think even in that like any of a you're solving a lot of puzzles to get through so i shouldn't say so basically it's a card base you end up with um the components you have a box it has certain components you have a booklet that has different pages in it because i'm not going to give any spoilers but (laughs) you have um basically a booklet that kind of describes the scenario and you you walk through um and it also has pages that kind of show the room you're in and different clues that you're in there they're in there and then other pages will be other cl- other kind of clues to get you through. And then there's a deck, uh, two decks of cards. One is like um, a riddle deck, and then one's an answer deck. And as you go, and the answer deck, you know, they're numbered from one through 20 some or something like that. And then the riddle deck is like A through some number of letters. I think there's like, it was a little, like 24 or something else like that to get through. And then you have this, the big thing is you have this circle template that has different symbols on it. And it has, um, if you want to think, three different concentric circles um, that you can turn. So I can put like some symbol on the outer circle and then I can spin the inner circle and get a different symbol. And then I spin the middle circle and get another symbol. And then there's a window that'll give you a number. And these are that number then tells you what card I'm going to go to in the answer deck and pull that card out. That card is either going to say, eh, you didn't get it, you didn't get it right. Or that card is going to maybe say, maybe you have the answer right. And they'll, they'll show different symbols on it that you'll then relate to the puzzle you're trying to solve because there's a bunch of images on it. And then if you'll, then, then that it'll be like, so it's kind of like one more step. So it'll show you an image that's related and then it'll tell you, oh, then go to this, this card, you'll pull that card. And either it'll tell you, oh, great, go pull these new um, new riddle cards, which kind of move you through the puzzle, um, through to a different puzzle, or it'll say, eh, you still got it wrong, try again. <laughs> Stuff like that. So that kind of makes sense for you guys from kind of the mechanics. And yeah, kind of, yeah. I, and maybe you covered this. Is there any way you can lose, or do you always end up getting to the end and getting out? Um Oh, so that's a good point. So I would say no. Like, it, unless you give yourself kind of an arbitrary um, like a time, time, limit. time limit. Okay. Basically, what they what you are scored on, they told us to start a timer when we started. And when you finish, that basically applies to your your score at the end. Okay. Um, and the other thing I said, you do have another deck of cards. You do have another deck of hint cards. So if you, there's our, I don't know, probably about 10 different, yeah, I bet you there are 10, 10 different cards, but they have symbols on them. Um, and there's a stack of so like like three cards per deck, and they have little symbols on it. And so basically, for each one of the puzzles, there's like three hint cards. And if you get stuck, you can flip over a hint card 
and it'll help you move through that puzzle um, to get through. And we only used a couple of them. And usually when we got them, it wasn't that they told us anything new. They kind of confirmed that we were on the right path for how we were solving the puzzle sure. to get through. So so that's kind of the, the mechanics. Um, and I was going back with like four players. It was pretty, I mean, we were kind of around a table eating. We were at uh, 42 Ale House, so we were kind of in a booth. So we weren't all, I'd say it might have been a little better if we were kind of all on the same side of the table so we could kind of all work together. But what we did is we either kind of split some puzzles or what would happen is we would kind of work in pairs on, on certain puzzles or let some people take the lead. So that's what I'm saying. I, I think if you'd go to six, I'd feel like maybe you'd, I feel like a couple of people might feel like they're not as engaged all the time. Maybe, maybe you'd go three, you know, you'd have three people working on, you'd split into three pairs or something else like that. Not sure. At least for this one, it seems like six might be a little stretch. It all depends. Um, you know, it depends how people are working together. It's, that's all that these games, these co-op kind of games too, right? Are you, you kind of like all working together on one thing? You're splitting the work up. Or are you trying to get through as fast as you can um, to get through? So, there were like 10 different puzzles that we had to go through. Um, and then there was a little bit of a, there was, it was kind of narrative, right? Um, you're in this, that was the idea. The premise was I'm going, you're, you get like the, you're the medical, you're the college student, like, Hey, I want 20 bucks to go to this medic, you know, do this medical study. You go in, somehow you get drugged, you wake up in this room. Right. <laughs> um, and then, and then you kind of have to work through the, you basically get a picture of the room in the booklet and then you have to work through the puzzles and there's about 10 different puzzles until you get out. Um, only thing I would say, like it didn't, the theme compared to like a time stories or something like that, the narrative theme didn't feel super strong. I mean, when you solved the puzzle, they kind of had a, a block of text that would say, Hey, this happened and now you're moving to another part of the room where you were able to escape from this part or you, okay. as you're moving ahead. But the puzzles themselves didn't feel like they were really attached. Rela- attached. It Because in the end, because of the mechanics for the game, everything's got to get boiled down to you figuring out three numbers, really, or three symbols. And then you put those symbols into the funny, um, this dial thing to give you the number. So because all the puzzles kind of have to end up in that, format it it felt a little formalic formalic is that the right word something like that um didn't the theme didn't feel super strong felt like hey i'm gonna solve 10 puzzles can i solve the 10 puzzles in a couple an hour so it took us almost an hour 50 i say we also ate we also ate dinner in the middle of that while we were playing (laughs) and so it wasn't super we didn't stop the timer because we kept kind of working on it while we were eating food and things like that so we weren't like focused on trying to finish as fast as we could but to get there soon. So, uh, again, 15 bucks, four people, hour and a half of entertainment. Puzzles were, were, were kind of, were, were interesting, but I said the theme was a little weak, I would think. And, and some of the puzzles were, I think where we struggled is actually the puzzles were simpler than we thought. We actually, I think as people, like we were looking for something a lot harder, like one of them we really got stuck on a long time was because we were looking for something much harder than it really was huh. um, to get there too. So, um, so any other questions kind of get that's, that's the feel for exit. Um, I think I would play another one, but what's, what's the production value like of the puzzles and the art? Like is, um, is it all just a card and hmm. clues or is it anything 
manual that yeah, you're what kind of draws together. you in uh the the this booklet is probably the only thing that gives you different um so there may be things that you have to draw there can be things we okay. have to actually maybe take the book apart cut things okay. up but things no, like but that nothing but like a a lockbox or a key mm-hmm. here, like no actual. The, there, there was a component of I, w- I won't want to spoil things, but there was another component. But even that was like a paper cutout okay. kind of thing, shapes, sure, kind of thing to to give you something okay. else like that. So yeah, and not nothing like I think the one that, you know Josh has got this this escape room in a box thing. My guess is when we play that, we'll find more the components to that. I'm expecting will be a little bit more than mm-hmm. this thing. But again. It's fifteen bucks, right? So that's mm-hmm. I right. think some of the, the limiting value. Some of yeah, that. it's a good price point. Um, yeah. It's kind of like you know you buy a crossword book or mm-hmm. something. It's yeah. similar concept. Um, I'd I'd like to try it. I was drawn to it. I I went to find a couple of the new ones at Gen Con, but they always sold out because mm-hmm. they only had fifty copies mm-hmm. each day of of the um, the new one, the whatever new ones, it is, the cabin. Mm-hmm. I think it's the abandoned cabin or something. Um, so I, I would, I would play it just for a $15. Why not? Yeah. At, yeah, at that price point, it's hard to not play it. I'll, I'll say play it too. I mean, it's gotta it, be better than Oregon trail. It, <laughs> you're, you're damn right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's competing in a very congested space right now. Um, there, there's a bunch of different ones like this, like like the one we have in front yeah. of us here. Um, but yeah, I mean, for fifteen dollars, it's you know even being a one shot, I think it's worth it. So yeah, I'll play it. Cool. So like I said, I I played it. I I don't know if it's the top of my list. Like I said, I think I'm going to try an unlock game next just to compare. Yeah. Um, and though I have heard that the like the different exit games also have different, like some of them are better than other ones. So, okay. Um, I don't know which, maybe we'll have to look and see if one, ones have better ratings, the other ones to, to jump out at. So, sure. So that's exit the game, the secret lab. Excellent. So BOD news and upcoming events, Troy, it looks like October, you might have some options for the group. Yeah. So October and is, the old we went we wanted this in the past and i've talked about it is rock con used to be called i i'm not sure if it's called what con which is probably a not a great name for a con <laughs> um i think they've kind of gone back to the old rock con which is in rockford illinois it's a better um, name the, yeah so it sounds like that they've combined i think the last two years with NavCon, which was a naval combat kind of miniature group uh i think around the milwaukee area Okay. Um, that so they've combined with them to do that. So Rockcon is a kind of more a miniature heavy um, game, although they do a little bit of a little bit of board games, RPG. It's a little bit of everything, but again, it's the focus tends to be more on uh, some of the miniature game kind of stuff. And that's in Rockford, Illinois. They did move to a new space, and I don't know exactly where it is, um, but that's October twentieth through twenty second. And really, got got me on this is uh, kind of Dan Bears, who's kind of friend of the show. Um, this is one of the cons that he likes to likes to go to um, uh, to go there. So that that got me going. Well, maybe I should pop down there for a, a Saturday at least, or something else like that, uh, to check it out. So cool. And then right around the corner from that, first weekend in November is Gamehole Con in Madison, Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, pretty excited. Should have a good showing. I know Matt and Elena will be back for that. I think Barry and Becky expressed interest. Mike is going up for some true dungeon fun. Um, 
so it, it should be a good showing. I know event registration was just uh, this weekend. We're right around um, Labor Day mm-hmm. as we record, so this is really two months away. Um, lots I, of role-playing game options, lots of board game options. I got a couple of sweet events. And oh, I don't did? know if I should... Yeah, what what did you get? Let's talk about well, it. Well, I, I, paid, I paid a little bit, but I did get into a game with Pat Rothfuss. Oh, you got my, it. Yes. Oh, uh, that's amazing. So I am. it was like 70 bucks to get the ticket, but I'm like, it was only like one ticket left. And yeah. I'm like, so I'm, so it's like the three authors. Uh, I think it's um, Peter, um, you guys are going to get me to get the, the right people. So at least it's Path Rothfuss and then two other authors who are very well known who I should know, right? Um, and we're playing like a game of like dungeon, uh, the uh, manic mantic games dungeon crawler, okay, game like that. So I'm like, all right, that seems like that's uh, that should awesome. be amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, I better learn the rules before I go and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and then I think uh, Defenders of the Realm. I think I got into a game there with okay. the designer of that also, um, to like that. So yeah. yeah. So I just went when I went in for my event registration. I kind of went for those specialty games because for game hole, kind of like that's kind of the you can get I, into one of I those that register. seems like super cool and things like that. But there's there's plenty other yeah. things to do and yeah. cool things. So and like I said, we have we're gonna have a really cool group there again, a f- nice group of, of people there. So I'm excited for game hole. Sorry, Josh. If by some chance I can get away for <laughs> su- Saturday, I, I will. But isn't that where you have lots of relatives come and help with the new baby that, and things well, and like that's that? That's why yeah. maybe a Saturday I can get away, <laughs> but we'll see. And then uh, November November is going to be a busy convention month. Um, well, Josh is tending to a newborn. I will be making the convention circuit. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to be uh, going out to Philadelphia pennsylvania with brian and will and perhaps chris from anvil a games helping um support their uh, their endeavors there at pax unplugged downtown philly at the convention center um november 17th through the 19th i think so it'll be a road trip with anvil eight yeah it was cool to see those guys out at um uh, Nova this weekend. Yep. Yeah, we're recording Nova. this over Labor Day weekend. So that's, they had a that's big there. booth presence at Gen Con. Frontline yep. No Comrades looked to be a huge hit. Um, that was one yep. thing I forgot to talk about in the show. I got my Resax book, oh, yes. and I was able to bring it to my game with Paul when we played Mage and get him to sign it. So I cool. did buy the Resax book also. I missed yeah. that in my purchases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it'll it'll be fun to uh, to be on that side of things mm-hmm. with those guys in November. In a future show, I'm sure I'll tell you all about PAX Unplugged because PAX is such a big brand. And, mm-hmm. you know, with PAX being this weekend, in fact, yeah, PAX out, West, out West. Right? or the real PAX, right? Yeah. Whatever it is now, yeah. PAX West. Yep. Um, so I think those are the upcoming events for us. Um, but as, as usual, please um, connect with us on Facebook, uh, Playing and Slaying, on Twitter at Playing Slaying Show. Um, basementofdeath.com, the website, or any of our emails that you'll find there. <laughs> any of us at basementofdeath.com. Um, and please, if you have downloaded on iTunes, give us a review. Um, let us know, you know, what you thought about the episode, what we can do better, what you want to hear us talk about. Um, 
definitely look forward to some feedback and, and that only helps us uh, get better and, and keep making the show. So, um, excellent. So everyone never forget, keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. I saw the preview for the big red dragon mounted head. Have you seen that? That uh, is it Whiz Kids and whatever put out? It's like a deer head that you put on the wall, except it's a red dragon. It's pretty cool. It's like 400 bucks. And I'm like, well, I wanted to sell $400 of stuff and get it. And so I'm like, well, that was it motivated me to sell a bunch of stuff. But I couldn't really. I tried. Sarah and Sherry both next thing when i'm like look at this really cool thing i could get and they were and sherry just kind of shook her head and sarah was like too scary was her in words bummer yeah and i'm so then i just used paper gen con so yeah.